know your enemy. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. I hope you are enjoying your day. On today's episode of the podcast, we have the current and recent European Open individual gold medal winner in the small category, Martin Reed. Today's podcast is sponsored by QMe Agility Training. It's an online training platform for everyone who competes in dog agility. It is run by the one and only Dave Munnins, and it has modules on literally everything you could ever need to be a successful agility partnership. All in one place, all on one platform. So if you think you need help with anything, take a look at the website and I'm sure Dave will be able to help you get it sorted. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to either myself or to Dave directly. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome along and who have we got today? We've got me, Martin Reed. Martin Reed. So Martin Reed, but who are you today? Who would you, who do you see yourself as? If someone says, who is Martin Reed? Who are you? Oh my God! I wasn't prepared for this type of question. Now we're going in deep, quick. Um, I am Martin Reed. Live in England. I've uh, done dog agility for nearly twenty years, which is showing my age. Thirty this year, so not too far off for twenty years. Uh, and we've just returned back from the European Opens, twenty twenty three. You say you've been doing it twenty years. You've got no greys. You're looking good, Mark. Mm. Apparently, Nara did find a grey at one point <laughs> in the back of my hair, and I said, "Wow, your dogs are grey as well." So, <laughs> do you say how long <laughs> you've been doing it? How did you initially get into agility? Um, originally, it was my parents were doing it just at the local dog club. Um, they went down, they had a go, they liked it. Occasionally, I would um, don't know whether I'd go with them or be taken with them. <laughs> Either one. Um, and then for months and months and months, I was like, oh, let's have a go, let's have a go, I'll give it a go. And then they were like, no, 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 it's my dog, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so sat there, sat there, sat there. And then eventually, six months after begging, I think it's for my 11th birthday, um, they got me my dog, Moss, uh, who was a rescue dog from, I think, Border Collie Trust or something like that. Um, and then I started with him. Obviously, I was only 11 at the time, so at school and uh, mom and dad had to help out a lot obviously but um yeah that was how i started and got into it so you start i was going to say because obviously my son now is nine years old and he's now just now started showing a little bit of interest in doing it so he's mm. not he's not too late <laughs> not too late got to start them young three years old yeah no, i think it's i think it's good because i think whenever i've seen you it's the same with james as well you know like i think i think you see lots of parents trying to push their kids to try and get into doing it and I think then it always backfires and then the kids are like now nah, you're trying to make me do it I don't want to do it whereas I think it's, it was probably the same with as well when my parents were like ah no like you don't want to have it go and like they don't try and make you or force you to do it I think it makes you want to do it more yeah well that, that's my exact thing I was like uh, yeah I think if, if, when you've got a kid like you know that most of the time they kind of do the opposite to what you want anyway so mm. if I said to him to do agility, he'd be less likely to do it. You kind of got to let them find yeah. it on your own, haven't you? When you went back then, you look back on when you did start agility. Um, obviously, it's quite a different world to what it is now. But if you could go back and mm. give yourself some advice, what would you say to yourself? Oh, good question. God, you've got all the deep hitting questions, haven't you? Yeah, don't mess around, <laughs> don't mess around on your... Don't mess around here. 
Um, I actually have no idea. What would I tell myself? Come on, you must know more now than you did then. Yeah, true. Um, oh, in terms of like advice for training, well, it could be anything really. I mean, I think, I think for myself, you know, I've not been doing it anywhere near as long as you. I think I've been doing it seven years now, and I, there's loads of stuff that I tell myself that like I, mm. I just had the I just didn't under, you, you don't understand stuff when you're first starting do you so whether no. it's training advice whether it's more on a perspective thing or whatever what, mm. what do you think you'd have benefited in knowing I guess probably one of the biggest things I wish I would have started earlier which obviously Lash unfortunately paid the price for was the care of the dogs around agility e.g making sure they were fit enough making sure they have a good diet making sure they have regular treatment so they don't carry injuries and i say probably flash paid the cost for that because back when i started with flash i just he was just a normal dog like we just did normal dog things and then we also did agility but we did quite a lot of it so I, nowadays i like to think okay i probably do similar amounts of training but hopefully i keep the dogs in tip-top condition with all the exercises and fitness and treatments around agility to keep them obviously healthy for agility so uh, flash has back well he was diagnosed with a back problem at five or six years old and i think a big thing with him as well actually was he was jumping 65 centimeters yeah and if he was doing agility now he'd be intermediate so that didn't help as well but definitely care around agility makes the biggest i would say difference in agility yeah and i think yeah it's good to keep that kind of stuff in mind but again you can't fault yourself on it i mean if you don't know you don't know do you and uh no no i guess so and i think probably back back then as well it's probably for the last 10 years maybe there's been a big point on it but before then i think people did get like the dog's treatments and things but yeah not as nowhere well. near like they do nowadays yeah Similar question then, but what advice did you get at the time that you wish you'd ignored? <laughs> uh, oh, there's always lots of advice at the back <laughs> of the day. Shout louder at the dogs, be tougher <laughs> on them. They're not listening to you. No, no. Like looking back, it's like, dude, no, they just didn't understand. Like we hadn't trained them properly. But there wasn't that much of that advice. But, you know, you always get the typical person, don't you? All oh, their border collies, they're used to having old farmers shouting at <laughs> uh, not really <laughs> not not with the dogs we've bred today is there still some advice that you you commonly hear and you think well that's just terrible advice but it kind of still still prevalent now uh, not too much i don't think because i think a lot of the people we speak to or hang around with or teach have all got like very similar training ways and ethics like i think no, it's not very often i teach people that haven't got a similar thought on training to myself anyway so yeah i think there's um, definitely rare. a lot better information out there now isn't it yeah i think so you always hear people blaming the dogs all the time oh the dog ignored <laughs> me there yeah like you they, you hear you overhear them at a show and then you think well no like you your body language was exactly what the dog did so <laughs> like but there we are we all do it i probably do it as well so one of those in it later on maybe they'll reflect yeah you just yeah you you get like i said as you learning you you know what to do better next time and yeah so as you've been in the sport like i say in your own words a fairly long time i'm sure that throughout that time you've had lessons with other people or you've learned off other people is there one bit of advice that really sticks with you that you think has been the not even the most valuable but just like one bit of advice that you thought oh my god that's 
that's made a big difference or something like that you know i think a lot of things with motivation with spring was quite hard um we did lot like lots of different things to get him like motivated so that's probably made and it was also a change in probably point as well in terms of handling yeah so we've gone from non-european handling back in the day to like european handling which you wouldn't even call it european handling nowadays would you it's yeah. just handling everyone does it of course <laughs> well 99 yeah, yeah so um different different ways i think maybe to get spring motivated for agility but like with non-equipment games like toy drive play I wouldn't say there's one specific thing like this. You're always I think you're always learning. Like even now, I can, you know, you think, oh, yeah, you know, oh, I think I can't know any more than what I do now. And then next week you learn something else and you think, oh, yeah, that would have helped me two years ago. So I think it's always an ongoing learning process because everything changes. As soon as you think you've mastered one thing, something else gets thrown up. And that was about the time when you were saying about like the, I don't know what you'd call it, old style handling, I suppose, compared to like mm. European. Again, to me, it just seems like normal because when I started doing agility, I think that uh, unknowingly to me, that was at the point agility was at. It was at that transition point where people were changing. So I never knew yeah. any different, but it was always quite funny to hear that it was almost like two teams, wasn't it? yeah definitely i think the first time i remember um because obviously lots of people had sort of i've seen people do european handling before i thought oh that's really cool but i remember i don't know what maybe it was a champ jumping around or something like that and dave was running boss i'll mention dave because he likes to mention me <laughs> <Yeah. in the podcast. laughs> um, we did spoke we did speak about this run i think as well while we we're at eos and i remember seeing him with boss who doesn't turn anyway he must have done about 15 catchers on this course but <laughs> he had the best lines and it, it probably wouldn't the class and i remember thinking oh wow like it really worked for the dog it looked really cool everything was perfect like i've seen now how european handling can be used as such an advantage whereas everyone which didn't do european handling in that run which was a fair amount of people because um not many people did it to, in terms of um well did it back then and it was really awkward you had to nag the dog everywhere you were really turning into them then facing away then chucking them at a jump and the same thing and it was just really ugly whereas when you watched all the european handling on the course which probably was a you know if we look back on the course it was probably a hideous course but it worked a treat doing all the euro stuff so i thought mm, yeah okay i'd not really seen some uh, i've not really seen loads of positive effects until that run and then i thought oh, actually clearly this is going to be the way forward i've spoken to a few people now and a lot of people have said that like one of the reasons that they um decided to transition across is because at first maybe they didn't think that it would be uh easy to gain success doing it a different way but when they started seeing other people become successful with it that's when they decided so i thought a good mm. question next then is to see what do you see as success uh, and up to this point, what has been your biggest success? What do I see as success? The thing is, I think success is different for everyone because yeah. everyone treats it very differently, don't they? Like, I remember when I first started going to a show, my aim was to get a clear round. It took loads of times. And success for me then was getting around the course without forgetting the course. Or <laughs> So, um, and then 
of course, when you've got a young dog and you're bringing them out, you think, oh, I just want to get the clear, you know, your first clear round. Getting that first clear round, I think, is a massive success. It looks like different things to different yeah. people. But for you now, where you are, what is success? Mm. Now, that, let me interject it quickly now, okay? Because I, I know why you're stalling. Right. Because you almost, and, and it's not unnormal, I don't think, but like because of the level that you're able to compete at and because of how successful you have been, it's almost like you feel afraid to say what your level of success is. But I think it's not anything to be, it's not ashamed is the wrong word, but you shouldn't feel worried about saying what your level of success is because the reason that your level of success is what it is, is because of the where you're at. So, you know, what do you see as success? You know, you've just won the EOs. Is that success to you or are you looking for more? Yeah, uh, no, that was it's definitely massive success. But to be honest, genuinely, I'm not even lying here. Before I went into the run in the final, I thought, right, all I need to do, I don't care if I go wrong, but I just can't fall over. <laughs> that was literally the only thing going through my mind is, okay, I don't mind if I come, come fifth, tenth, I have five faults just don't fall over because oh, like when I was, when we're looking back to the worlds last year, and I think we've timed it many times, Selfie would have been world champion if I didn't fall over. Yeah. What I was most annoyed about with that is not the point of losing the world championships because of it, but it was the point that I didn't do the best run possible. So I just wanted to go into that EO final and just do the best run possible for myself and not let her down. Yeah. And then the result of winning it was just a massive, massive bonus. So, of course, like, we've won the EOs. Obviously, it'd be a dream to go back to the world champs and try and win the yeah, world well, champs. But anything can happen. One pole could come down, the first pole, and it's over for that year. Then you have to wait another year. Something could happen. The dog could fall off a contact, and then it's over for that year. So oh, it's one of those, isn't it, where success is different for every person but i guess for me of success for all my dogs not just selfie would be to try and achieve something internationally with them at the eos or at the world champs so obviously try and get in a medal position would be success i would say yeah and i think that's a fair answer as well and what you're describing there is kind of rather than focusing on the outcome is focusing on the process and knowing that if you do mm. the best run that you can then you're going to have a chance anyway in there yeah, definitely. You can only do as best run as you can. And I think everything was just perfect for me in the final of the EOs with Selfie. Um, she had a perfect run. She couldn't have really, I couldn't, like, looking back, I don't think there's one thing that could have changed. Maybe right. the first bit with the layer. Yeah, that, I was just going to say to you, that, that <laughs> start of that looked really awkward. Because you kind of had to kind of shimmy behind the wall, wasn't it, to get the push round on the first. Yeah. It was super awkward and it was one of those where if it wasn't the EO final, I probably would have tried the layer because two or three people did it. It worked perfect. We have done a very small amount of that, but never off the start line. It's yeah. always been mid-course. So I thought, oh, do I do it? Do I not? And I thought, no, it's way too much of a risk to do it. So let's just try it the other way. And yeah, it works. It so. works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't blame you for not trying the layer. I think what you did, well, I don't think what you did work. What you did did work. You won. So, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, that was good. When we're talking then about success, 
do you think it's down to the training? Do you think it's down to the dog? Do you think it's down to the handler? What? Where's the biggest portion of, um, I don't want to say blame, but what do you think you can, what's the most important? Uh, the thing is, I think it's, I think it's, I think you can't put it down to one thing. It's everything. I think it's it's the dog. Not only has the dog got to have a good brain, they've also got to be built well. I think a few years ago, you could probably get away with the dog either having brain or body. We always talk about brain yeah. or body. So is the dog built really well for the sport or has the dog got a really good brain for the sport? And I think you could get away with having one, one of those two a few years ago. But I think nowadays the dog's got to have brain and body. Um, you as a handler, I think have got to be experienced, obviously keep your nerve under pressure. <coughs> you've got to understand the course. Um, you've got to have, you've got to, well, obviously handling, you've got to handle the dog well, but then also I think you've got to prepare the dog physically for the event, make sure they're fit and also prepare them in terms of some of the trends you might see. So like we spoke about just then, the first bit of the course um, for the small final, it would have been much easier to lay out maybe if I would have prepared with that more because it was something that could come up then I would have done the layer and then it, I could have even got a better time like I wasn't it was quite close in the final so I could have gained more time maybe doing it if I would have prepared more for that as well yeah um this for this event I think <coughs> the, the most I've ever prepared for an event in terms of my fitness the dog's fitness I've got literally over here on my wall I've got sheets of in or pages of information of the dog's fitness plans for strength the dog's fitness plans for cardio the dog's uh training a few weeks before then i had a 12 hour week training plan for them then i've got all the judges in a file with all the different sections and all the courses so there was a huge amount of preparation i don't well, I just think, think it goes to show how much it actually thing. counts because you you got two medals it's pretty good yeah i'd say well this was probably the most successful event I've had. Two medals, of course. It's really good. Um, I think last year at the Worlds, I was so close as well. Yeah. Obviously with Southie not getting the gold, but also with Snooze, yeah. he was one pole off getting silver medal in the individual. So, yeah, I think all the preparation. I did a lot of prep for that year as well. Not so much with Southie because she was a little bit younger. This year I thought I could push her a little bit more. But definitely with um, Snooze, I did a lot of prep last year and shape a lot of prep this year. Well, it, it must be a good feeling up. to know that kind of the prep you're doing is obviously the right things. To get two medals kind of gives confirmation of that, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think so. And also, I think this year we had a massive, massive advantage at European Opens because it was run on grass. Yes. It was wet. It was a little bit slippery. And they're all things that GB as a whole are used to doing, whereas a lot of other countries aren't. So that was definitely a massive advantage for us. So in agility then, because like obviously we've had one of the bigger competitions uh, just gone, EOs. Is there anyone who, and I don't want to say it from like a, a fangirl point of view, when I say who do you <laughs> admire, but is there anyone who you like try to emulate with their training or their handling? Or is there anyone that you think, oh, you know, that's, someone I'd like to kind of work towards having some kind of skill similar to them, you know, who do you look up to? Nah, I look up to a, a few, a few different people. And I tell you what, you're like not allowed to say anyone in GB because otherwise the people might get butt hurt by it. If you don't mention them, okay. so I'll take that out of okay. the equation for you. We'll take, we'll take GB out of the equation. That's good. Could you imagine? I know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> um, 
Uh, of course, Southie's breeder, Tobias. I think he does, like, we go over and train with him. Um, the the skills he has, which obviously I think most people don't see because most people see him running in competition. So they see him running around with the dog. But the independence and the understanding the dogs have of the different pieces of equipment, like when you see him train and then you see all the distance and layer and stuff he can do with all of his dogs as well, not just the Border Collies, but the Shouties. I'm like, okay, Selfie needs to be able to do and understand the equipment like his Shouties do because he can just, I don't know, stand there, like literally not move. The dog's going off the dog walk, heading towards one thing. He says weave or salam. And the dogs will go, oh, okay, you've said that word and then completely change direction, divert and go and find that piece of equipment for work uh, on the word. So um, it's definitely, I want the dogs to have skills like all of his yeah because of the way that agility is changing i think it's getting more and more important that they've got that verbal discrimination because of the general amount of obstacles that are sometimes in the handler path um so because yeah. of how much agility is changing um what do you see well what would you like to see as the future agility and the impact that it'll have on us as dog trainers and the dogs how do you see it where is it going Mm, so there's definitely more aspect on safety in the UK. So hopefully it will keep improving with regards to tunnels, soft wall, soft long jump will just be standard. Like I think we'll look back in a few years time and see the wooden or the aluminium or even the plastic pieces of equipment that we used. And we're like, oh my God, how could we ever even put our dogs over them? Um, we're definitely going to have more and more layering at speed. And then one thing I was actually thinking of the other day, I think someone posted it on the internet and they were like oh what piece of equipment would would you like to see added to agility and that actually got me thinking because i thought well over the last few years we've taken away pieces of equipment haven't we like we've got rid of equipment but we've never actually introduced a new piece of equipment yeah so i'm thinking that is actually like a very good point like why are we not trying to think or consider new piece of equipment because if we keep taking away from things and not adding back, it does take away that little bit of variety. Like even something stupid, like a like a, they use a barrel in hoopers, don't they? Like even something stupid like that, it would just add something different into agility. And I'm sure there's lots of other things that could be added, and that would keep things I don't know keep keep things evolving and not just going. Oh, we're going to take away the flat tunnel and then <laughs> never replace it with anything. Which obviously I'm glad the flat tunnel's been taken away. Don't get me wrong. But it is nice to have variety on course and not just have jumps and tunnels. You can have a ball chucker section. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Hold on. Wow. <laughs> I think that's also one thing that broke Flash back in the day. He loved a ball chuck. So oh, did he? Yeah. I don't do that now. But yeah, it definitely made him fit, but it also made his back break. So <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. So you're saying about like adding things in agility, what, you know, if you could change one rule, what rule would you change then? Mm, one rule, what would I change? I think the most obvious rule for me would be uh, in regards to tunnels. And I would make sure they're all non-slip surface. Like people always say, oh, the non-slip tunnels are worse than the standard tunnels we get. But I just don't see it. Like I've run under every surface, sand, sand with wax, astroturf, um, wet conditions, dry conditions. My experiences have always been positive. So 
I would have that, but then I'd also change it so all the tunnels have to be a bright colour. I think having a yellow tunnel compared to a blue tunnel makes a massive difference. Yeah, yeah, so I would only allow yellow tunnels. I would only have anti-slip tunnels and I would only have them on loose arcs as well, rather than I think that's where dogs will hurt themselves on the tighter lines. So loose arcs for tunnels, non-slip surface and also yellow only. Just some conformity between the tunnels then maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Don't get me started on tunnels. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is a, it's a, yeah, I, 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 I get where you're coming from. Okay. So mm-hmm. in agility, then I'm going to, I'm going to give you the option of one per height, but also you don't have to do every height if you don't want to. Um, and you're right. not allowed to steal any of your friend's dogs again. So no one gets in upset. You can no steal a dog with- one from <laughs> every height. Who's are you stealing? What large, what intermediate, what medium, and what small? Mm, well, I have to say we steal cashew for medium, but I have ran him once at competition. When I was in Germany, I ran him at competition. It was a, a freaking disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but he was great for him to run. I literally had a bit of cheese, and he was perfect. He didn't care where anyone else was. Nice. Like, how many Shouties can just run with a I was going to say, that's not no a common thing, is it? Yeah. No, but he was perfect. I just didn't handle him well. So definitely Cashew, I'd like to run him. He's such a cool dog. Um, let's think. Who else? I'm trying to think of a really wild dog <laughs> for large. Right, the international one. I, uh, I would say with Teresa's say as well, I think that's an amazing dog. Yeah. You know, it'd be amazing to run that dog. It's slightly older now, but, you know, a few years ago, that would have been just incredible to run. Um, small dog. What's let's try and think of a small dog. We've got a couple of good small dogs in this country as well. Obviously, selfies one, but there's some others, isn't there? Yeah, there are some really there are some really good um, smalls coming through. Actually, I'm excited for the next few years. Um, but it's hard because I can't go towards the spaniels. Come on, I've got to keep loyal. Yeah, sure. Keep loyal to the shelter sure. here. I tell you, one shelter I like is um, I think she's I think it's called Aggie or Aggie. It's Kirsty Jorgensen's from Norway. It's a black Sheltie. Sounds familiar. Ag- sound familiar. Aggie or Aggie, I'm not sure how you say it. It's A-G-I. Um, but Kirst- yeah, right. and her name is Kirsty, but with a J in it. So it's Kirsty. Yeah. Okay. It's a really cool dog. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a Sheltie aficionado like yourself, Mark, so you might think differently, but it's a nice dog. No, I think I, I think I know who it is, yeah. Um, but to be fair, I was never a, a Sheltie whatever you said <laughs> my pronunciation would be bad um before selfie i was very like mm, they're quite cute but i'm not really sure but then i don't know you have one and i think you learn to love the breed i was gonna so. say will you always have um a sheltie do you think now i i can't see myself not um i think next definitely border collie yeah and then after that i would really love another shouty as well so yeah. i think it makes more sense Border Collie, Shouty, Border Collie, Shouty. I think it's good to have different heights. Hopefully the Shouty doesn't grow to intermediate or large. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not um, ideal. But yeah, I think definitely having a small medium dog and an intermediate large dog is definitely better than having two of the same height. I think you get penalised too much for having two of the same height, especially in the UK. Yeah. I think it's frowned upon Olympia. You can't take more than one height, can you? Um, and then with the teams as well, I think it's... Yeah, it'd be super, it's, it's much harder to get height. two in on the same height, isn't it? 
I would be politically correct and say it's much uh, much favoured upon to have different heights rather than have dogs in the same height. I agree, and a good way of wording it as well. <laughs> Who then are your favourite judges? And you don't have to, I, I will again, I'll allow you to not get in trouble. No GB ones internationally. You can give no me a top GB ones. Ah, uh, international ones. Top three. You don't have to do them in order. Uh, top three favourites. Top three, I think, Alex Bolti, Bauti. I can never pronounce his surname. But Beetle sure you know or Beetle? I mean. Beetle, something along those lines. I think I've been following his courses a little bit leading up because he's doing the World Champs yeah. this year. I think his courses are really fast, really clever, really fun. Um, you've got Yoke Tangle. Yes. Out. I've never he's actually been... ran any of his courses, but on iconic. paper, they all look so much fun. Yeah. So I think his look really, really cool. Um, and then I always, always love Tamas's and also um, Daniel Volz's courses. So good judges. I think I've added another one in there. But you have, but I'll allow it. Some of the top four ones I look for. <laughs> allow it, allow it. Allow it. You're allowed. So we move on to some kind of like non-agility types of questions then. Here we go. Here yeah, we go. Here we go. Now we get to know, know your enemy the most. Who knows you the best? Are we including Nara or not Nara? <laughs> well, I would say, yeah, Nara obviously would be the person who knows you the best. I would, I would have assumed that. Let's say not, not including Nara. I think not including Nara it probably has to be Dave. Um, I think we've probably known each other one of the longest out of agility. Um, we've probably spoken um, and had like more trips away over the time as well. So I'd probably say Dave. Fit. Notice, note as well, I've said Dave. When someone asked Dave about this, he was on about his uni friends, which he hasn't. Oh, yeah, who's your best friend? <laughs> oh, yeah, my uni friends. Oh, yeah, the ones you haven't spoken to in about 15 years. All right, cheers for that. They don't even yeah, remember Dave's name. <laughs> <laughs> Just because he's got a little tortoise tattoo on his leg where he went on holiday with them. <laughs> that's it. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. What do you think people misunderstand about you the most, Dan? I think people probably misunderstand the most that maybe they think I'm not very like talkative or jump in and say hello or really throw myself into those situations like at shows and at training. But it's actually more because I'm I'm shy rather than I don't want those conversations. Yeah. I think people who get to know me more and more and more and I feel like really comfortable with them then I am quite a talkative person, enjoy talking, but I am actually very shy to people yeah. I've not spoken to and I'm not super confident with. Again, I think it's partly similar to my situation really is because like you've got an online platform as well. Do you want to plug it? Go on. Well, I've got a few, but we'll yeah. go for intoshapeagility.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, because you've got Intoshape and obviously you've got lots of people who are following along with that, you're on there and you're talking a lot. So they assume that you're quite naturally outgoing. And this is the same mm. for me because like in my sessions, I'm trying to be as outgoing as, and engaging as possible. And, but ultimately you're doing it to a camera. So it's not the same as yeah. when you're speaking to people. And yeah, if I see someone who like I know is one of my clients, it's not that I don't want to go and speak to them, but I don't personally know them. So I don't feel no. like it should be me going up to someone to go to speak to them because like, I don't know if they want me to, do you know what I mean? It's kind of, it, you give yeah. off this false, and not even a false perception. It's not your fault. 
but like there's a there's an idea that you're an outgoing naturally will go up to extrovert type of person but really mm. yeah it's just a case of you don't know if they want you to really in there it? and it's um no, it's misunderstood of being like yeah being kind of standoffish but really it's just yeah don't feel super comfortable mm, approaching people no and like when a couple of people over the years like have like um spoken to me and said oh you know we're on the website we really like it it feels like i know you so well because we've watched all the videos and like it actually like makes me feel like really good for it so it's definitely a positive thing and if someone comes over and is like very outgoing with me instantly i just feel like more at ease not yeah. like the, the confidence comes back yeah and i can talk and be happy but i am quite an unconfident and shy person especially to people who i'm not who I don't know very well. So, yeah, I think sometimes that gets mistaken for ignorance, but it's really not, <laughs> I promise. What are the things you're most proud of? Uh, most proud, I think, if we're going for the years, spring had so many championship ticket wins. That's one of the biggest things because I think it's a big achievement for me just to try and get as many as possible. Um, How many did he get? Of course, 13, Oof, the big. unlucky number. And I uh, so unlucky. I actually remember winning my 13th ticket and thinking, in my head I thought, oh, that'd be it, 13, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> Obviously thinking, I'll probably get one or two more, and then COVID hit, and that was literally oh. bam, that was it. I was like, disaster, I was right. I actually am finishing on unlucky 13, but maybe it's lucky 13. I was going to say, maybe it's lucky <laughs> spring, yeah. Maybe it's lucky. Um, and then, of course, Southie's medals, third at the World Championship last year, and then first at European Opens this year, which is just crazy. Um, and she's still so winning Crufts Championship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a massive one because although Crufts, I think, more and more, it doesn't reflect agility so much anymore because the courses are so different. The arena's so small compared to what we see. Uh, the court, I'd say the course is very different. Oh, I can't remember <laughs> rambling about Crufts, <laughs> uh, but still, it was one of the math, like the biggest achieve, biggest achievements I think to date because um, that's how people get into it. They watch Crufts, they see the event, that's what they want to do. So to go there, and I didn't think I could win it, and then to win it was like wow, crazy. So, so it's been a good year, Mart. It has been a good year. It has been a good year. Hopefully it's not over yet. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. There's still some stuff to go as well, for sure. So we go, again, kind of carrying on for that then, is what, what do you think of as um, your biggest failure, but what did you learn from it as well? Mm. My biggest failure, definitely. I think I can look back to last year, uh, World Championships, Snooze's individual run, so large run. The jumping course, he was super good. I think we got, it was a late te late teens or early 20s. I think it was late teen position. Yeah, I think you were 18. Which for a jumping run, you know more than me. Yeah. <laughs> done my research. For a jumping run with him, yeah, that is really, really good because I think we all know he's not the quickest dog in the world and you've got the quickest dogs in the world there and it wasn't a super technical course. So that was an amazing result. And then to go into the agility round where it was a crazy difficult course. <laughs> yeah. I believed we could do all of it. Like I believed we could do it. When I saw the course map, I thought, oh my God, this is perfect for us because so many people will go wrong. And I think he has the skills to do all of this. He had pole number two on a backside wrap. 
And I remember thinking, these are the ones he takes all the time. Push him wide, give him an extra stride. I thought I did, I didn't, cost us a silver medal, fucked it right up. <laughs> livid with myself, absolutely livid. Like beyond, like, I couldn't even think for hours. I was so annoyed. Yeah, it was, um, it was such a, obviously when that course came up as well, I, I knew that you'd have a good chance at it because like you said, Snooze has got good skills and you're a capable handler of getting to the places that I think other people were concerned with. And it was a good mixture, wasn't it? It was one of those courses that like, you could kind of get places, but you did still need skills. So it was, obviously it was testing. Mm. I mean, I think that course yeah. will be remembered for a long time, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's so there were so many handling choices as well, which was good. So not only was the option choices for the dogs but also handling choices did you layer did you try and run round? did you front cross did you rear cross did you blind cross like there's so many options that that i think that's what agility should be handling options choices for the dog's line and then the execution of the handling so what do you th like did yeah. you think that course was too hard for a champ uh, for not a champ final for a europe was well, a world final was it too hard no, I don't think so, because I think everyone trains all of those skills. Everyone trains layers to the weaves, which was the first section. I think the bit before made it a little bit awkward, because if the dog went into the tunnel under the dog walk at an angle, it would really throw them off. But I think hopefully I identified that. So when Snooze jumped long, I literally waited, wrapped him around my leg, lined him up so he was going in a straight line into the tunnel. And then he was lined up dead for the weave. So I think there was always options yeah there's always choices um no i don't think it was too hard if we saw that again this year i'd be like oh cool this is good this yeah. is what agility should be yeah for sure I, I mean i i wasn't in it so i felt like my view didn't matter but i always thought as well like you say if you'd have put if you'd have put any of those things up in a separate part so as separate things mm. you'd be like yeah i can do that or i can do that or i can do that but it was just the fact it was all together and I think yeah. that's what caught a lot of people out is the fact that it was all together, but like it was a world final. So I think the mm. balance is very, very yeah. close to whether it was too hard or not. And mm. it, I didn't mind watching it. I understand though the frustration from people competing in it. So it was, yeah, it was interesting to hear you. Yeah, but I think it, it was the first half of the class where it was like elimination, elimination, yeah. elimination. But then actually as the class went on, there wasn't that many clear rounds, but there were so many if onlys. Yeah, like yeah. One pole away, or one weave entry away, or one contact away. So, and I think the thing I also liked about the course was there was no repetitive skill tests. Yeah. Like it wasn't backside, backside, backside. There was a different skill test at every, like, um, I don't know how to say it, but there was a different skill test on every section. It wasn't just like, can the dog do a backside? Can the dog do yeah, a backside? Yeah. It was, can the dog do a, a backside? Then can it do an independent seesaw? Then can it do independent weaves? Can it do a threadle? Can it do a dog walk exit? Like there was, everything was different. It was a big test, wasn't it? Mm. It was. I want to say up actually, we should say up and train it. It'd be fun. I did it afterwards just because I wanted to have a go. It was good. It was good to train on. Um, Were you clear? I, was, I, I didn't go clear i got the weaves which i was pleased with but then i i messed up the bit after the a-frame where you ran around yeah that bit was more awkward than i thought it was gonna be actually yeah well i basically yeah it makes no difference i don't know why i'm telling you this but i waited too long and then i didn't get to where i needed to yeah. be so he flicked away from me and kind of went back to the weaves rather than take the jump 
after the tunnel. Yes, yeah. 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 Good, like yeah. I said, it was a good fun course. And again, I get mm. that for me, there was nothing on it, so I could have fun. For a lot of people, though, you know, their whole year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I get it. I, and like I said, I do understand people's frustrations, but I also think that it was um, it was a good course to watch. Yeah. But also, I think it's crazy that if you didn't, if you studied the judge leading up to the event, literally on yeah. 50% or more of his courses, tunnel he always weaves. did a layered tunnel to weaves on the dog walk. Like it was obvious that was going to come up and it came up twice over his courses. Yeah. So I don't know how people hadn't seen that and then thought, right, my skill layering to the weaves from the dog walk needs to be amazing because it was going to come up. Yeah. So it just was. If you've got a crystal ball, and you can look into the future. What do you want to know? It's a good one. Isn't it? <laughs> good what, don't, what don't I want to know? Let's yeah, you get one it. thing. You're not allowed to look at that everything. By the way, I should have said that. Uh, one thing. Will I become a UFC fighter? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I think that's a really hard Probably one because that. it's like, do you even want to know, or do you just kind of want to? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing is, I don't think I'd want to know because I think it takes away all the anticipation. And I think that's that's everything, isn't it? Like, if I knew I was going to go to the EOs and win the EO final, you wouldn't get that, or, you know, you wouldn't get the fight to prepare beforehand. Yeah, you might not have done the prep. You wouldn't be excited at the event. You wouldn't get nervous. And that's part and parcel of the enjoyment is the excitement. So I don't think I'd want to know anything. Um, yeah, it's like that question is, like, would you want... want to know how you were going to die? I mean, I don't think I would. Definitely not definitely not but i don't know maybe more less agility terms but more like in five years or ten years where will i be living like will you have that dream house with the land yeah or not i don't know that's probably something i think about a lot where will i be in five years and ten years in terms of living facilities and all of that yeah, that's a fair one. Uh, we're going to go on to some quick fire questions now. It doesn't need much context behind it, but um, maybe we'll tell people a lot about you. Ready? What do you have for breakfast? Right. <laughs> I had the worst breakfast this morning. I had uh, digestives with a cup of tea, but usually <laughs> I've been trying to have Greek yogurt. But this morning I did. Okay. What was the last thing you Googled? No lying. No, no lying. Thankfully, I've been uh, looking at gardens. <laughs> They're all good. Um, I've I googled the. We've got a section in our garden which I need to try and section off so the chickens have got more room and then the dogs don't go on the stones because then it'd just be much easier. So I can't remember what it's called. Some like trellises for um, fencing. Nothing exciting. When did you last sing, and what song was it? We sing quite a bit, terribly, in, uh, terribly, usually. I've got no tune to me whatsoever. Same. Um, I can't remember what it was. Nara basically sang at me the other day in the <laughs> car and I tried to join in. It was terrible. I can't even remember. I'm terrible with words as well. I can literally hear a song a thousand times and not know any of the words. Do you just make your own lyrics up? Well, I just hum along. <laughs> do, do, do. That's about as far as I go. Do you play any instruments? Uh, no, I was always useless. I'd have loved to, but I was always useless. Not musical at all. Do you believe in ghosts? Yeah, I would say... Uh, 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always on the fence with these questions. I don't. I guess I'd say yes because I do think that are not spirits. Spirits are the wrong words, but there are altered beings or doings, maybe altered states. Mm. Definitely, there's aliens coming. I'm telling you. Yeah, I think that. I'm, I'm think... telling. I'm telling you that for a fact. It's weird <laughs> how like aliens get. Um, lumped in with ghosts, but I feel like aliens are far more likely than ghosts. I don't know. I mean, that's just me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, aliens. And, like, come on, the pyramids. I'm yeah. addicted to knowing about these things. It's ridiculous. How did they exist? Something weird's been going on in the last thousands of worlds, thousands of worlds, thousands of years that no one knows about. There's, right. um, there's a program on Netflix by a guy called Graham Hancock, and I cannot remember for yeah. the life of me what it's called, but that's to do... I think it's like... Um, unknown civilizations or oh, people who've watched this will yeah. be shouting at the screen to tell me i can't remember but it was really good really good program yeah no, lost, I've all of lost that civilizations I've maybe something like that yeah i've watched all like all of those things i feel he was on the joe rogan podcast yeah as well. i feel like i'm on the rogan podcast as well <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> um so yeah i've watched all of that all of the pyramids but every like the more information you get to do with the pyramids the more like all of the stories they tell you just don't make any sense yeah so it's a, it's a rabbit hole for sure isn't it mm. if you've got a superpower then what would you be what would your superpower be i would love to fly fly is a good one it's a good one mm. so this next one i think is the most important question and it's the one that we'll give you before you go so i have a superpower and my superpower is I can give you the power to have a conversation with your dog that it will understand entirely for 10 to 20 seconds. What would you tell them in those 10 to 20 seconds? Oh. Oh. <laughs> so see the numbers. <laughs> One, two, three, <laughs> 20, maybe 22 in some situations. Just read them. Yeah. Just read them. Some of the new numbers have even got the numbers printed on the back. So even if it's a backside, you can still see them. Yeah. <laughs> Teach them how to count. That's a fair answer. Teach them how to count. Now, if I was being serious, I think the easiest thing would be to talk to the dogs to be like, just be chill in everyday life and like be easy. It'll make your life easier. Make everyone's life easier. Just behave. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be a dick. Yeah, exactly. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Okay, and I think that's it for us, Mark. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, we've had a little bit of a plug for your website, but is there anything else that you'd like to talk about and tell people to go and have a look at? Uh, I think the biggest thing is the website. I think that's the thing we probably work the most on. So you didn't hear earlier on, www.intershapeagility.com. I do think genuinely, I'm not just saying this, but I do think it is probably the, the best online platform for the money that you can get. So I think it's quite cheap. Everyone can afford it. Um, and then I do have what's other, it about what's on there just in case some people don't know what's on into shape agility uh, so it's online agility training it basically covers like everything I, I genuinely think it covers everything we've got um, different puppy diaries on there so all of Southie's puppy diaries which were recorded at the time they're all on there so you can see exactly what I do with her from the moment I get her at 10, 11 weeks. I think I went over for a few weeks to have her before I could bring her back over. So you've got all of that up till basically when she starts competing. Uh, you've got bananas as well from Nara. You've got all of how to train pieces of equipment, running dog walk, stop dog walk, seesaw, jump skills, 
uh, fitness for the dogs, not for the handlers. <laughs> Don't take away that from you. Cut that one out. Yeah. No, no handler fitness, just some basics for dog fitness. Uh, course running, handling, basically everything you can think of, which is to do with agility is on there and even life skills. Um, and I think it's affordable. I think it's it starts from sixteen seventy five per month, which I think for agility training, considering most of the time you'll spend forty to fifty quid for one session, yeah. I think is very very good value. You also get a support group as well, so you can go on Facebook, um, and we've got private group for all the members, so you can ask questions, feedback. We have some Q and As, and also recently started giving away some prizes as well. So um, yeah, lots of different things with that. I think it's a great community. So if people uh, want to ask got, you about it, how do they get hold of you? Um, they can go to the website, intershapeagility.com. They can message me just direct on my normal Facebook profile. We've got a Facebook page as well, Intershape Agility. Um, we probably should adventure into the role of Instagram and TikTok as well, maybe. That's but where I'm at as well, Mark, wondering whether I should. I'm not very good at social media, yeah. but I'm always told you should get on. Yeah, definitely, definitely should do more. Well, thank you very much for coming on and giving us your time, Mark. This was a pleasure, as always, speaking to you. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah. And I'll see you back. soon. See you soon. Got to get back to me gardening now, haven't I? And doing me trestles, yeah. whatever you call them. <laughs> Trellises. <laughs> All right. Tell up. And that is the end of the podcast. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen. I really hope you enjoyed. If you think you might know someone else who would enjoy, feel free to pass on all the information and share the podcast with them and get involved on any of the social media platforms. It really helps the podcast grow and I really appreciate it. See you in the next one.